It's Avery After Dark, and I'm your host, Avery Ross. I am glad to be here with you today. I hope everyone's having a good week. My mom and I had a pretty devastating day yesterday. We had to say goodbye to our sweet dog, Tinks. He was a beautiful black standard poodle and was just a great dog. He lived to be 15 years old, which is amazing. We got him when I was only 15 years old, so he's been around half my life. My mom is a therapist, as you all may know from her guest appearance on the podcast a few episodes back, and Tinks was actually her therapy dog. For years, she would take Tinks into the office with her for her sessions, and he helped a lot of people talk through some really rough times and conversations, and people really looked forward to seeing Tinks when they came in for their session. He provided so much love and comfort to us at home as well, and we really loved him. He was the kind of dog that didn't have a mean bone in his body, just really loving and easygoing. But the past couple years, he had been getting really bad arthritis, and it was getting to the point that recently he was having trouble even walking, so that was pretty hard to see. If you are an animal lover like I am, you know exactly what I'm talking about and how heartbreaking it is to have to say goodbye to a pet. He isn't our first pet that's gone to doggy heaven, but it never gets any easier. I already miss Tinks so much, and yesterday after we got home from that, I pretty much melted into the couch and laid there for the entire day. I think we all have those days. So today's case will be a really great distraction for me, and it's one that you all have actually requested I do a podcast on, and that is Miss Sherry Papini, the Gone Girl, Gone Wrong case. This was one of the first TikTok stories I posted that went viral. I think it has like 11 million views, and it's a pretty crazy story that we're watching unfold. It's a tale of lies, ex-boyfriends, and prepaid cell phones. A lot of you had a lot of questions about the case and what actually went down, so let's get into it. Sherry Louise Graff was born June 11, 1982. Sherry met Keith Papini, and they married in October 2009. They had two children together, a son and a daughter. The couple and their kids lived in Redding, California, and by all accounts, lived a fairly average normal life. But it all came crumbling down on November 2nd, 2016. That day, Keith got a text from his wife, Sherry, at 10.37 a.m. asking if he would be coming home for lunch, but he reportedly didn't see the text until about 1.39 p.m., And when Keith got home from his job at Best Buy later that day, Sherry wasn't there. He quickly learned that she hadn't picked up their two children from daycare either. Something was very wrong. Keith would later tell the news, On normal days, I would open the door and my family comes, runs, and gives me a hug. He cannot get a hold of Sherry. He got on his phone and used the Find a Phone app on their cell phones and found it led to an intersection near Sunrise Drive. This was about a mile away from their home. Keith drove to the spot and found only Sherry's phone with a clump of her hair. He reported her missing and showed detectives where he had found her belongings on that road. The clump of her hair really led police to believe that there was some kind of violent struggle. It appeared to investigators that she had perhaps been abducted while out on a run. 
and a search ensued. Teams scoured nearby woods and trails. They were looking at security footage from local businesses in hopes to get a tip on where Sherry could be. Her disappearance was on every major news network. What happened to this 34-year-old who family described as a quote-unquote supermom? Keith went on national news and said that Sherry was, quote, definitely taken against her will and that she would never intentionally leave her kids. There was a $50,000 reward for any information leading to her whereabouts. As the search was on, and as it usually goes, some believed that Keith had something to do with it. Theories swirled about how and why he would have done this to Sherry. But friends and family stood behind Keith, and he remained completely cooperative during the entire investigation. He also had a solid alibi and passed a lie detector test. Police were also questioning if this was a voluntary or involuntary missing persons case. But Sherry's family insists that she would never, ever leave. She loved her life with her husband and that something horrible must have happened to her. Every day that passed with no sign of her, they feared the worst. It was during this time that there was a GoFundMe page set up to aid search and rescue efforts, and it gained more than $49,000 in donations. And then, in a shocking turn of events, 22 days after she went missing, at around 4.30 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day, Sherry reappears. A number of motorists had called 911 to report a woman running down the middle of Interstate 5 in Yolo County, California. This turned out to be Sherry Papini, and she was 146 miles south of where she disappeared. She was chained around her waist, her hair was cut haphazardly, she was emaciated, and had pretty bad injuries. She was picked up by police and taken to Woodland Hospital, where she underwent several physical examinations. She had a swollen nose, bruises on her face, rashes on her body, ligature marks, burns, and bruising. Her clothing was taken for testing in hopes to find who did this to her. Police made a public statement that Sherry was safe and had been found, and this is what Sherry said happened. According to a 55-page affidavit filed March 3rd, Sherry said she was out on a run on November 2nd when two Hispanic women driving a dark SUV forced her into their car at gunpoint. She said she didn't remember getting into the car, but woke up lying down in the back. Her hips were sore from being in one position, and she had a pillowcase over her head that smelled of laundry detergent. Sherry said for that three weeks, she was chained to a metal pole in a bedroom closet. She was forced to use a bucket of kitty litter as a toilet and could hear, quote, really annoying Mexican music playing around her. She said her captors mostly spoke Spanish, but she heard conversations about branding her for a potential buyer. When investigators hear this, they believe that maybe this was some kind of human trafficking situation. Sherry said that she attempted to escape multiple times, but was branded after her first attempt. She said that one of the captors was really mean and was the one who did all the terrible things to her. And the other captor was much nicer and younger. She was the one who ultimately released her, dropping her off near the side of the interstate near Woodland, California. So obviously, Sherry's family is relieved, and they welcome her back with open arms. In 2016, Keith talked with 2020 about her escape on that interstate and said, 
She screamed so much, she says she was coughing up blood from the screaming, trying to get someone to stop. Again, just another sign of how my wife is. She's so wonderful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Four days after Sherry's found, she applies for the California Victim Compensation Board for financial assistance. You heard me right. Four days later, people. She didn't waste any time, did she? In total, she received just over $30,000 from the Victims' Compensation Board. With this, she paid for the ambulance bill, therapy sessions, and home improvements. It's at this point that Sherry's clothing that had been tested came back. And it came back with male DNA. Hmm. Police do announce this publicly and said that this DNA did not match Keith to clear up any of those rumors. On June 22, 2017, she gave descriptions of the women captors for sketch artists. And wanted posters were heavily circulated, but police were having a hard time corroborating Sherry's claims. Years pass, and all investigators have are their hunches that something isn't quite right about this whole thing. During these years, Keith and Sherry would also call and notify police when Sherry recalled any new details about her captors. And there was still a $10,000 reward for any information that could ID these two women. So there isn't a rule book on how one should act after a kidnapping. But there are commonalities that police identify from victims in these kinds of situations. One of the biggest red flags was that supposedly Keith was much more proactive about finding these perpetrators than Sherry. It was really Keith that seemed to have that sense of urgency to get justice, and police thought that this was kind of suspicious. And it was also Keith doing a lot of the news interviews about the kidnapping, not Sherry, which again, kind of strange. But like I said, all investigators had were these hunches that something was amiss. It wasn't until September 2019, police got a lead that an ex-boyfriend was maybe involved in this kidnapping. That male DNA that was found on Sherry's clothing was tested through CODIS, the DNA database. And in March 2020, investigators got a familial hit on that male DNA. The individual who pinged in the database had two sons. And who was one of these sons? Sherry Papini's ex-boyfriend, James Reyes. It's getting juicy! On June 9th, FBI agents collected discarded items from the trash can outside of James's residence. They found an honest green tea bottle that he had drank from, and that, along with other items, were sent to a lab for testing. And the results came back as a match. His DNA matched the DNA found on Sherry's clothing. So this flipped the entire case upside down. By August, authorities knew that Sherry's kidnapping story had been fabricated. The Department of Justice stated that Sherry Papini had actually been staying with James in Cosa Mesa, a Southern California town, during the three weeks she was fake missing. James, the former boyfriend, told police that Sherry, who he dated 15 years prior and was once engaged to, said she needed refuge from her abusive husband. The two had a long history of being friends, but said Sherry reached out to him out of the blue. 
She reportedly told him that Keith was sexually assaulting and abusing her, and she was trying to escape him. Quick note, police have no records of any abuse claims against Keith. I just think that's important to note. So James agrees with her plan and got her room all ready for her to come stay with him. And it was James that drove and picked her up on that day that she quote-unquote went missing while out on her run. The former boyfriend told police that during this day, Sherry never left his home. But how did she get so emaciated and sustain those injuries? This is where the story really goes full gone girl. He said that she didn't eat much during her stay and said that Sherry asked him to hit her, but he wouldn't. But he did hold a hockey stick for her to run into and pelted her with hockey pucks. Sherry asked him to buy a wood-burning tool from Hobby Lobby, and he told police that he branded her with that. She also cut her own hair in that haphazard fashion to feed into the story. James added that he actually didn't have a TV, but Sherry was indeed keeping up with the news on her phone, and she knew that people, her own family, were looking for her. James told police that after a while, she told him that she missed her kids and asked him to drive her back up to Northern California. On the way, she tossed the prepaid cell phone out the window. And to confirm all this, police combed through the two's phone records and found that she had been in contact with James as early as December 2015. So they weren't just taking his word for it. They were both using prepaid cell phones to talk. Supposedly, James thought that this whole thing may lead to them getting back together. Ultimately, when investigators confronted her with this information, Sherry denied it. Shocker. But they had more than enough evidence against her at this point. So on March 3rd, 2022, Sherry Papini was arrested and charged with mail fraud and making false statements to the police. A lot of you had questions about what the mail fraud charge is about, and that stems from her correspondence and receiving payments from the victim's board through the mail. So that's where that comes from. The same day she was arrested, Keith and Sherry separated. And that's when her story hit the news and everyone was shocked. How could she do this? Was the husband in on it? Why did she do it? From all the evidence, it seems that Keith was just as duped as everyone else by Sherry. On March 8th, Sherry was released from the Sacramento County Jail on a $120,000 bond, facing a possible 25-year prison sentence if convicted. In April 2022, she pled guilty to one count mail fraud and one count making false statements. Just a few days later, Keith officially filed for divorce. Keith was granted custody of their kids through an emergency order. Sherry reportedly hasn't seen her kids since April 4th and apparently missed one of their scheduled visits. The family says that Keith, their children, and her family are absolutely traumatized by her hoax. I mean, for Keith, this has got to be a painful one-two punch. Not only did she lie about being kidnapped for years, but to find out that she was actually staying with an ex-boyfriend the whole time, and she's telling him that you're the abuser, that's gotta hurt. And she involved him so much. 
Keith was doing the interviews on her behalf. He was talking to police, sharing Sherry's lies for her. I do feel very bad for Keith and their innocent children that got played by this woman. In a statement released by her attorney, Sherry said she is, quote, deeply ashamed of myself for my behavior and so sorry for the pain I've caused my family, my friends, and all the good people who needlessly suffered because of my story. She went on to say, I will work the rest of my life to make amends for what I have done. Sherry Papini is scheduled to be sentenced July 11, 2022. She's been ordered to pay more than $300,000 in restitution to federal, state, and local agencies. So, why would someone do this? After the story broke, another ex of Sherry's, a man named Sean Davari, told Inside Edition that he wasn't the least bit surprised to hear about Sherry's hoax. He said that she was a compulsive liar. He claims the two dated when she was a 20-year-old youth counselor and he was only 15. Yikes. He said Sherry wouldn't talk to him for days and would then reappear with some fantastical story about what had happened to her. He also said that she was faking a heart condition at one point during their relationship. He later found out that this was a lie. Davari told Inside Edition that he came forward to set the record straight that he wasn't the one to aid and hide Sherry. I hope Keith and their kids are able to heal and stabilize from all this as best as they can. Their children are now nine and seven. And I do hope that Sherry is getting some mental help. This isn't something that someone in their right mind would do. There have been other kidnapping hoaxes over the years, but in many of those cases, the person orchestrating the hoax comes clean pretty early on. But for whatever reason, neither Sherry nor James felt the need to right their wrongs and let this go on for years. I had a friend and she was a compulsive liar. I don't know if she was ever diagnosed with it or anything, but I felt like it always kind of stemmed from wanting attention because she would lie about the stupidest things. Like she would lie about what she had for breakfast that morning. It was just like that kind of stuff where it was just like, it it just becomes almost like their world. Like it's just one lie after another. And it's like, I don't even know if they know what the truth is anymore, which is very interesting from a psychology standpoint. This case is eerily similar to the Gone Girl book and movie, which is one of my favorites, except as I mentioned before, this case is reality and there are young kids involved, which makes it so much worse. We will have to wait and see how she is sentenced next month, and it'll be interesting to see if Sherry ever does a interview or tell-all. It would be fascinating to hear what she has to say about the whole thing. But all in all, this is quite the case. As always, make sure you're following along with Avery After Dark on TikTok and YouTube, and share this podcast with your friends and family. I just want to say I really appreciate each and every one of you for your support, and I look forward to seeing you all next episode. Bye, guys.